0: This episode is brought to you by our great sponsors. Have you ever struggled to find the time to promote all of your amazing content on social networks? Are you tired of logging into several different places and platforms to complete all of your digital marketing needs? Don't worry anymore. Social Web Suite has got your back. Social Web Suite, the social sharing platform built for professionals by Hype Studio, We'll take care of all of your social media marketing needs. So all you need to do is relax and concentrate on growing your business. Start your free trial today and see what all the buzz is about. Head over to buildpodcast.net slash hype for more information. That's buildpodcast.net slash H-Y-P-E. And when you are ready to make the purchase, make sure to use the discount code Build Something and save yourself some money. How I Built It is sponsored by Liquid Web. While Liquid Web has been best known as a managed hosting company with tons of options, it has also designed a managed WordPress offering that is perfect for mission-critical sites. If you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the partner you've been looking for. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer also has iThemes sync integration into their management portal, allowing them to update several sites with a single touch. If you sign up today using the discount code, how I built it 33, you'll get a 33% discount for the next six months. Visit buildpodcast.net slash liquid to get started. That's buildpodcast.net slash liquid. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to How I Built It. We are in season two of a podcast that asks, "How did you build that?" Today, my guest is Logan. Forgot to ask how you pronounce your last name. I'm going to go with Nicholson.
1: That's right. Yep.
0: Uh, of Music for Makers. Logan, thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, thanks for asking me to to join the podcast. It's it's an honor to be here.
0: No problem. Uh, that's I'm uh, so glad you can make it. I heard about your website, Music for Makers, on the Matt Report. And immediately signed up for uh, your email campaigns and things like that. I plan on, well, hopefully we are uh, at this point we are into season two, so I'm going to be using your music for kind of the intros and outros and stuff like that, because it's 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 unique, it's really good, and it's uh, I'm I'm a big fan. So, why don't we jump right into it and you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came up with the idea for music for makers?
1: Yeah, so basically the the idea for music for makers was born out of my own needs, really. So a year to two years ago, I was uh, started creating more video content, mostly for client social media work that I was doing. And, you know, I I learned that basically, it's, it's really pretty easy to get into making video now, I mean, even if you have no experience, because from, uh, you know, the, the, basically, you can shoot it with an iPhone, and it looks remarkably good considering it came from a phone, whether you're doing that or you're doing animations, you know, there's a ton of, uh, free animation software out there and then there's a host of other ways you can create video, but something I, uh, a hurdle I kept encountering, uh, in that process when I was creating videos, you know, I'd create this, you know, final product basically. And then I would want to add a background track because I just felt like it would add kind of an extra level of polish, you know, make it kind of a little more professional and i kept kept finding that that was constantly a struggle particularly for commercial projects like again like this was client work that i was doing so it needed to be from a licensing standpoint it needed to be okay to use in a commercial setting and so i kept running into this problem and really couldn't find any good solutions that were you know fitting for smaller budget projects like social media videos and so inspired by in those kind of familiar with the tech and web space will get this connection. But inspired by sites like Unsplash and Death to the Stock Photo, which are, are basically royalty-free, free sources of royalty-free photography, I decided to launch kind of the equivalent in the stock marketing, I mean, excuse me, stock music space. And so that's kind of that's kind of the genesis of the idea was just that I was making videos and couldn't find good background music that was easily accessible and inexpensive. And, and so I decided to, well, I, you know, I felt that other people probably had the same problem. So I decided to launch Music for Makers.
0: Nice. And that's, I mean, finding royalty-free media in any in any sense is pretty difficult. Uh, Unsplash is relatively new. I'm a big fan of that too. So most of the royalty-free music I've been using uh, for this show in the past has been just like whatever loops are in GarageBand. And that's like not, you know, it's not unique. It's not. It got the job done for season one, but uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to start using, or I'm I'm excited to be using uh, this sort of stuff for season two. So, so is this your full time gig?
1: It is not. So, uh, okay. so full time by day, I am a kind of a web marketer. So I do a lot of content marketing, digital copywriting, that sort of thing. So again, that's kind of where, honestly, the idea for Music for Makers was born out of work I was doing at, at the digital agency that I work for. So that's what I do by day. And honestly, that that has been pretty helpful as I've launched music for makers and, and run the, the business I'm on the side, just because a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of what I do every day translates well to running an online business. Nice.
0: And so that's, so that's great. You're kind of scratching your own itch. I think that's been a, a common thread of a lot of uh, guests on this show, at least, uh, and it's it's one that I've kind of pursued as well. And one of the things that that I've learned uh, is to talk to people to do some research. It sounds like your full time job kind of helps you a little bit and gives you that perspective. But did you do any uh, kind of independent research uh, when when launching this, or was it like I need this and I'm going to do it?
1: Yeah. So I I think initially the research I probably wasn't even thinking of it as research because it, it was. I was looking for music to use myself. So in terms of like competitor research, I guess that's kind of what, what that you could call that right there, just because I was looking to see what are the other options out there. But since launching music for makers, uh, obviously the research has, has been a lot more intentional. So still looking a lot at, at the the industry and what other people are doing. Cause there are other stock music websites out there. The problem is for most of them, the uh, they're, they're not really, um, small budget friendly, I guess I would say. So you can one song might cost you anywhere from $15 to uh $150 or more, depending on the quality and, and a lot of other things. And so anyway, so now I, I definitely kind of watch uh competition, but I'd say beyond that, just kind of some tricks I guess that I picked up kind of in, in you know web marketing is, is following the conversation online, seeing what people are talking about uh, on Twitter or wherever um and and the struggles that they're having with Background tracks and that sort of thing, and so just kind of keeping tabs on that conversation, and then also basically when anybody signs up, so music for makers part of the part of the package, I guess, is that you can sign up for a free track every week, and so it's the the free email subscription. And part of that process when somebody signs up is they get an email kind of introducing music for makers uh, a little more thoroughly, and then also uh, introducing myself. And I and in that email, I typically ask, you know, what Why did you sign up for Music for Makers, basically? And, you know, a lot of people don't respond to that, but those who do, I tend to get a lot of good little nuggets from them, just understanding, you know, A, what they're struggling with in relation to background music and hearing them put that in their own words, which is incredibly valuable. And then, two, how they're using the music, which is also very interesting to know, because when I got into it, I figured most people were going to be struggling with uh, background music for videos because that's what was happening with me personally. But what I found is, and that's it, that is a huge part of the audience that I serve. But what I found is there's a, a quite a few podcasters as well. And then kind of some, a, a smaller number of, you know, game developers and then random other things like web designers who want to use music in their websites and that sort of thing. But so that honestly, that, uh, that final piece of, uh, you know, I, I guess I would call that research, but just kind of talking with customers, to find out uh, why they why they signed up, and then uh, ongoing kind of checking in with people to see, you know, how they're enjoying the service. Whenever I'm planning on launching something new, checking in to see if if they think that would be a, you know something they'd be interested in. So the my my customers are definitely a huge part of of the research process.
0: Nice, and that I mean that makes a lot of sense. And and the emails the why did you sign up email is a nice personal touch, right? That's how, that's how we linked up. I got that. I think it, you asked, like, you know, what's your favorite color? And I responded and then got an actual response from you. So that's uh, that's something that you probably won't find on those big marketplace sites either. You know, they've got, like, a big support team and stuff like that. So that's really cool. You're connecting with your customers. And I'm sure you're learning a lot. You know, that's, as a developer, I kind of learned that the thing that I have in mind for the thing I build is, is – Close in some regards, but you know, non-developers think of completely other ways to u- complete other ways to use what I do. So that's really cool. So we are about ten minutes in right now, and there's there's two parts of kind of the the coup de grace question that I want to ask because on the Matt report you got into a little bit of of how you built the site, and so I do want to touch on that. But I'm really interested in your process for for writing music, the tools you use for making the recordings and things like that. So uh, we'll break this down into two questions. The first we can touch on quickly, uh, which is how did you build the website and the e-commerce
1: piece? So uh, now I'm using when – I, when I first launched, it was really simple. Um, so I've been using WordPress from day one, but initially I was uh, basically using a, a, the Genesis framework and had kind of customized it very uh, slightly and it was essentially just a, a landing page, again, kind of uh, you know, just a, a minimum viable product version to see if people would even sign up for this thing. So it's was, it was basically, you know, just an email field for people to sign up and then a few tracks uh to kind of give people an example of, of what they would receive. And so that was that was all it was for several several months actually initially when I launched and back in uh, September of 2015. And I think I was just using like SoundCloud uh, to to give the tracks to people, but earlier, I guess this is going to air probably in 2017. But in in uh, early 2016 is when I transitioned over to uh, Easy Digital Downloads, which is a plugin based you know for uh, digital, basically a digital marketplace for digital products. And so when that happened, basically that was a full site redesign because I you know, ended up getting a, a theme that was compatible with easy digital downloads and specifically one that worked really well with played well with, you know, playing audio uh, files and that sort of thing. So, so that's basically the, the core of the site runs on WordPress and easy digital downloads. And then the way music for makers works from a kind of pricing plan standpoint is there is, in addition to the, the free weekly email or the free track a week, there is like a la carte or standard pricing. So you can just buy one track, but that's typically not the most uh, cost effective way to go about it, but but you can do that if you want. Or there is Pro, which is a, uh, an annual subscription and you get unlimited access to all the tracks in the Music for Makers library. And, and that is actually run on Restrict Content Pro, which is made by the same developers who made uh Easy Digital Downloads so those work well together and then there's actually as of well I guess it will be uh November uh, 2016 I actually just introduced a, a third pricing option for people who don't want to go the annual route it's a and it's a um it's a monthly option so you have you know a certain number of download credits every month and you pay monthly so that that's also through um uh, restrict content pro and then you know connected to easy digital downloads. So that's that's basically without those core components the site wouldn't exist as it does now. Um there's obviously you know a, a range of other things I'm using to run the site. And then and Mailchimp is is pretty core to what I do as well just because I have that weekly email going out. So but yeah, that that's pretty much it. WordPress, easy, easy digital downloads and uh restrict content pro are kind of my you know the The most important tools in my toolkit.
0: Nice, and uh, so you haven't touched any code for this project, is that right?
1: Not exactly. So I, I, I can handle HTML and CSS, Mm -hmm. and then anything beyond that gets a little, you know, I can get in over my head pretty quickly. Which is why tools like WordPress and Easy Digital Downloads, you know, are great because they make it possible for people like me to run a business by myself. But yeah, there, there has, you know, I have been. You know, I can, I can Google and look up code uh, mm-hmm. that I can that I can then tweak. So th- there have been cases where I've done that um, just to kind of adapt things to my needs a little more. But yeah, I mean, you know, I started started with a theme and, and put a child theme on top of it. Um, but, the you know, a lot of the infrastructure was already there. So, yeah, I would say for, you know, in terms of what I do for Music for Makers, it's pro- probably 10% or less is, is actually gotcha. getting into the code.
0: Gotcha. Cool. Very cool. That's awesome. So you've got basically a full a full e-commerce and subscription site with 10% or less of of code, right? So, uh, and it's mostly stylistic tweaks. So, you know, that's a big lesson, I think, for anybody listening is that you don't need to code to get definitely not a minimum viable product or even a, you know, a a full, you know, full-on business. So with that, I would love to hear your process for A, how you make music and and B, kind of the recording process, right? Because that's something that I'm relatively new to at this point, you know, I, I'm using Camtasia to record this. I've got a pretty decent USB microphone that I'd like to upgrade. So I'd love to hear just about that process. Cause that's, you know, you're a pro at that.
1: Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty simple process really. Um, in terms of kind of the, the specifics of, of gear there, I, I use Reaper, which is an open source DAW or digital audio recording, uh, workstation. And that's, I got started. uh, So I've been recording since I was about 15, but I got started with actual analog recording gear. But when I made the transition to digital, I was using Pro Tools, which is kind of in in the audio recording space is kind of considered the program to use. I mean, that's what a lot of professional studios use, but about, I don't know, two, three years ago is when I started making the transition to Reaper. Uh, And that's what I use now. And it's, it's, really fantastic and really affordable if you're wanting to get in. They actually have a free license that you can use for a while and then, you know, upgrade later if you want. But that's what I use to do what, what's called, you know, multi-track recording. So basically, since it is on me, I go in and record one track and then add more layers so you end up with this complete song, but it's just one person. So it's basically how any song today is made. But but yeah, so that's all done through what's called a, didio, uh, sorry, a digital audio workstation um, or a DAW. So that's what I use. And then I also have a um, an audio interface that allows me to, you know, plug in a guitar or a piano uh, or mics or whatever to then go into the workstation and record those tracks. So, and then of course uh, the other ingredients would just be all the different instruments that I'm using. So that's from kind of a gear standpoint, how it works. And then the process for actually creating the songs, one thing I found pretty early into the process of running music for makers is, um, you know, you can't really wait on inspiration to hit you, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, which is, that was actually kind of a, uh, you know, light bulb moment sort of, I guess, because having been making music for most of my life and then actually recording and putting out records since, you know, pretty young, typically in that process, you know, and that was kind of a more artistic thing. It wasn't for any really business, you know, it was kind of a hobby I, I did on the side, And so for that, while I might sit down and kind of try to work out a song sometimes, typically I would just kind of wait until I felt inspired. And then I would, you know, start uh, putting something together. A lot of times it started with the lyrics and then the song would build around it. But since Music for Makers, since I create a new song every week that I don't really have the luxury of of waiting for that to happen, you know? So what I've learned uh, again, pretty early on is that basically Creativity can be forced and, you know, creative productivity is a thing that you can really optimize. So, uh, so all that to say, basically, I've worked out a pretty standard routine that uh, doesn't really uh, vary too much week to week unless I'm going to be traveling or something. So typically what, what, what an average week looks like is on Monday uh, is when I'll typically start the actual writing process. Uh, and sometimes, you know, so I'm always looking for inspiration you know whether it's whatever I'm watching on Netflix, you know, listening to the uh, the score in that, and 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 getting inspired or whatever. But I'm a- I'm always looking for inspiration, and kind of ideas for getting started. But a lot of weeks still start out kind of blank slate. I don't know where it's going to go, and then usually it starts with me either picking up uh, a guitar or or kind of playing around on the piano and and working until I find a melody that you know I, I feel good about, and so. That's typically Mondays are typically spent doing that kind of just jamming around, trying to find something and then maybe laying down that initial melody. But again, that's, that's the more creative process I would say is Monday. Tuesdays is usually when I kind of start fleshing out the song. So that's when the multi-track recording aspect comes in. So if I started with a, a guitar melody, then I might add piano or more guitar or bass or drums or, you know, whatever the song may call for, but. That's usually the second day. Is usually when I really start building out the song. Then uh, Wednesday and Thursday are typically uh, I might add a few more tracks, but typically it's mostly mixing and and uh, you know tweaking things to get get the overall th- the song kind of balanced out basically. And then Friday is kind of spent mastering typically and and getting the final product ready. So that's kind of a brief overview. Uh, obviously, there are. You know, some weeks go differently than others, and and sometimes that process takes a lot longer than than it does other times. So, uh, it it varies, but that's generally how it works.
0: Nice. And about how long does it take you for each song?
1: That that varies just depending on you know song complexity and and uh, just how well the studio work is going. Yeah. Um It's like anything else. You know, sometimes you just feel like you're you're hitting your head against a wall over and over again, and it really is work to get it out. Other times, it's like you know, this flash of inspiration does hit you and then you're able to get it, you know, uh, there's there's been weeks where I finished a song on like a Tuesday after starting it on a Monday. And it's just because, you know, you kind of get into the flow and it, it, it comes easily. But then there's other weeks where it's, I'm still working on Saturday to, to put the finishing touches on the song. So I would say anywhere from, typically anywhere from five to 10 hours, just depending on the complexity of the song. And that would be from, you know, actually starting it, uh, like writing it and then through the recording process. Gotcha. So
0: I've got a kind of a twofold question for you. This is this is one that's uh, been a personal headache of mine, and that is, I live in an apartment with uh, fairly thin walls next to a window, uh, so I get a lot of kind of outside noise. What do you do to kind of get rid of that? You know, it's you know I I can see the room you're in. It's not like you're in like this padded studio or anything. So you know, is there something special that you do to kind of get rid of all the uh, kind of ambient noises around you when you're recording?
1: So there's, uh, when it comes to sound treatment, there's kind of two things. One is you want to, you know, you want to keep the sound out, which is kind of what you're talking about, especially in an apartment. I lived in an apartment for a little little while while I was in college. And uh, that was, I didn't get a lot of recording done. I'll say that much. (laughs) Noisy neighbors. But so there's you want to keep sound out, but then the other thing is you actually want to treat the room so it sounds good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you probably can't see behind me. There's there's not really much, but on the walls uh, I actually do have a lot of uh, acoustic foam, and what that does is uh, most rooms are not naturally going to sound great for a recording. So acoustic foam, what it does is it takes a lot of a lot of the thin echo that you you have naturally in a room, um, and it treats that so that it it sounds. Warmer and a little bit uh, deader, so because especially in audio recording, a little a little natural reverb is nice. But for most of the time, you want it to be pretty clean and dry, so that you can then you know everything plays nicer together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's kind of the the biggest thing I would say is a, acoustic treatment. And there's I mean you can Google that, and there's you know a lot of DIY ways you can go about it, or you could just buy acoustic foam. But that's probably the especially if you're in kind of a, a rental situation, the acoustic foam's about the best way to go. If you're, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you could of course like build a studio that is all padded and everything and which maybe I'll do one day, but right now I'm just using, (laughs) uh, yeah, just acoustic foam and, you know, just treating the, the, the room ambience basically.
0: Awesome. That's, uh, that's really interesting. That's really great information, especially if anybody wants to start recording whether it be a podcast or video series or music or anything like that. And then the other kind of part of this this uh process question is what musical artists do you get inspiration from? You know, you mentioned like Netflix, but would you say that there's a, like a few artists that you kind of pull from or draw from?
1: Yeah, so typically basically I I didn't I don't I wouldn't say I paid a ton of attention to you know, soundtracks and, and background music before I started music for makers kind of ironically. So I would say most of my inspiration or, um, you know, the artists I look to are just artists that I, uh, enjoy listening to on a regular basis. So they're not really making music to go in videos or podcasts or anything like that. But the, um, uh, man, honestly, the, <laughs> the group of artists is kind of all over the place. So, Let me, uh, I'm going to pull up Spotify just to kind of see what I've been listening to lately because it changes a lot too. And Spotify is great because you you can kind of dive into. So, I mean, sometimes I'll spend, you know, a week listening to a new uh, video game composer, music composer, you know, and just kind of getting into seeing seeing what other people who do that for a living are doing. Uh, Because again, I, I tend to approach it kind of the way that I've always approached making music, which in a way I think is what makes music for makers tracks a little different. You know, you mentioned in the beginning that it's unique, unique tracks kind of compared to what's out there. And I I think that's because you have so many people getting into stock music, you know, or music licensing for the sole reason of making music that people are going to put in stuff. And it tends to kind of have the same, you know, like ukuleles and, uh, you know, really cheerful, which is that works for some things, but other things it's kind of it gets kind of stale and and feels thin so yeah
0: it's like uh you know it's like how every template on uh theme forest looks exactly the same to me at least so
1: yeah yeah so yeah that really corporate sound you know so so really I've never necessarily honestly actually starting out music for makers was kind of a revolution against that sound because I wanted it to to sound real and you know again I've been making music kind of as an independent artist for a while. And so it would take, I think it would take more effort to try to make music that sounds like that versus just making music <laughs> the way I've always made it. So um, anyway, looking through Spotify, in terms of of creating stuff you know, for music for makers, the Album Leaf has been a, a big influence and they actually have a lot of instrumental stuff. So a lot of times I'll listen to them. Uh, Dosh is another artist I listen to that does a lot of instrumental because it's interesting before Music for Makers, uh, all the music I made was not instrumental. It was all, mm-hmm. you know, I had vocals and lyrics. And so that's kind of been an interesting change. And so it's, it's always uh, good to listen to artists that are doing that, even, you know, when they're not making it for video. You know, they're not making stock music, but they're just making music to listen to, but it's instrumental. So it's good to listen to that, just to hear how they arrange it and keep it interesting um, and, and coherent and everything. All Get Out, uh, Andrew Bird... Balmaray, it's another uh, a great, great band that's um, instrumental as well. Uh, Blind Pilot, Iron and Wine, the list could go on and on. Nice, uh, yeah. But but, but but basically, sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, I'm really just looking for new instrumental music to listen to. Oh, yeah. Going... <laughs>
1: so. Yeah, so, uh, well, there, there are several good uh, examples. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, it, basically the... There's quite a variety of artists and you know that I that I draw inspiration from and which I you know probably shows a little bit in in the uh music for makers library. It's a pretty diverse um, cause, I mean I'm creating all the music, but and some people are usually surprised by that. Um and that's been one thing that's fun about Music for Makers is uh, you know, when you are creating music as an artist you know, you you build a fan base based on a particular sound. And, and while your fans will tolerate, you know, you kind of evolving from record to record, for example, if you just, if one record had, you know, 12 different sounds on each of the different tracks or whatever, uh, you know, is a totally different vibe, then it'd be harder to build that audience uh, mm-hmm. because they're expecting a certain sound, you know, so... But music for makers isn't like that. I mean, and for for music for makers, it's actually the opposite. Where it's variety is a good thing because you know you might need you might have a project that kind of needs a more somber, chill track, or you might have one that needs a lot more uh, energy and you know uh, is uplifting and that sort of thing. And so it's it's been fun to kind of play around with genre and mood um, and instruments and everything uh, throughout the the process
0: that yeah that's awesome i absolutely love that and that's uh very very exciting so we are we're banging up against time here and so we've talked a little bit about uh the transformations uh during the the last part but do you have any plan you know do you have any set plans for the future
1: so honestly the, one of the bigger things that i have been planning just recently launched and that was the music for makers plus the monthly subscription um so from here it's it's kind of a a lot just about growth really so the plans for the future ultimately for music for makers would be that it it could uh grow to the point that it can be providing an independent income that's you know decent enough that i can focus on that full time and continue developing it and growing it so that that's kind of long-term goal in the short term it's really just about growth so it's you know uh looking for opportunities like getting on on podcasts or uh partnering with different companies that where it makes sense to just kind of get music for makers out and and in front of more people. But really, I mean, it's, the project has gone through uh, several iterations since launching. And, you know, I I would say most weeks it's, there's something I'm tweaking about it, whether, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's big, like the the plus subscription, sometimes it's not really that noticeable to customers necessarily, but you know, there's always things that I'm working on. So we'll see. But yeah, the, the, in one word, the uh, the plan for the future is is growth.
0: Nice, and uh, I always like to end with this question: uh, Do you have any trade secrets for us?
1: I, lots of coffee would probably be the uh, <laughs> the go to, uh, especially if you're if you're starting kind of a you know side project that you want to turn into a business. But no, um, more seriously, what I found with music for makers, and I kind of touched on this early on, is that. And and I, I think it's relevant for any project, whether it's kind of a creative project or, you know, I mean, it could be anything from writing a blog post to uh, coding a WordPress plugin or anything. But I, I it's I think the the secret to really getting anything done, or if you have this goal or anything you want to accomplish, is really just getting started. Procrastination is, you know, something we all deal with, and uh, and and it can it can kill an idea really quickly. And you know, I mean, it's, it's a pretty simple thing if you if you don't get started it the project will never happen of course, but that's proved to be true uh really on a weekly basis for me because there's most weeks again I don't really necessarily feel inspired to get started, but you know i I pick up the guitar and play around a little bit and then uh by the end of the week there's a track so that's just that's a i don't know if that really counts as a trade secret, but that's something that's a, a truth that has been kind of you know etched in in stone since you know starting music for makers so i i think it's i think it's something we all need to hear just to you know have the encouragement to get started regardless of how overwhelming or big the project feels or how to, how out of reach because for, be, before starting for music music for makers i was you know for a long time i'd been wanting to start something of my own on the side and um, i mean like for years uh while doing you know having my full-time gig and you know would start down the road of uh trying to build something and then would ultimately just kind of forget about it or, or move on or whatever. Um, and music for makers is kind of what is stuck. And, um, and I really think it is just kind of about getting started and then, uh, seeing where it goes.
0: Nice. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that is great advice. You know, it, it might sound obvious, right? Like just do it, but it's harder, uh, than it sounds. Cause I have a notebook full of ideas that I have half started or haven't even started. It's just like, this would be cool, but uh, you know, the actually doing it and and sticking through it is you know is what makes it successful. you know, I think another common theme has always been, um, you know we see we see the the finished product, the successful thing, but we don't see all the work that went into it behind the scenes, so
1: yeah, definitely. yeah,
0: awesome. Well, Logan, thank you so much for joining me. Everybody, definitely go out there and check out musicformakers.com it's It's a great site. Cool. Hey, everybody. I want to tell you about a new book I wrote with my good friend, Matt Medeiros of The Matt Report, called The Podcast Starter Kit. It's a QA-style book that tells you exactly what you need to get up and running with your own podcast. I've had lots of fun over the last several months with how I built it, and I want to share what I've learned with anybody looking to start their own podcast. In the book, Matt and I try our hand at answering 23 questions that you need to ask yourself before you get up and running. We also include several resources, our favorite equipment, and a checklist at the end. Head over to thepodcastbook.com to check it out. It's only $24, and it'll save you hours of time researching the right tools, where to upload your podcast, how to run a good interview, and a lot more. That's thepodcastbook.com. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks to our great guest and fantastic sponsors. If you liked the show, please rate it and subscribe on iTunes, in Google Play, or whatever your podcast app of choice is. If you have any questions, be sure to reach out at howibuilt.it. And finally, until next week, get out there and build something.